Hello, hello, hello. The bar is once again open and today we discuss camera phone photography, the sad news about Remy Enigma and James Bond. Is he still as iconic as ever or is he now a busted flush? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, before we get into all of that, uh, Cam's got a couple of things he would like to say. I do, Mark. And uh, I just wanted to say that, guys, if you enjoy the show, make sure to support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel. And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and TikTok, all of which will be linked in the show notes. Uh, please also leave us that five star review on your favorite podcast app, such as Spotify and Apple podcast. And uh, it's your support that helps this show going. So uh, with that, Mark, how are you? Oh, fine, thank you. I would just like to add something to that little uh, pre preamble that you did there. We, we do have a Patreon account as well now. So we do. We do. Yeah. So please do check out our Patreon account. If you like what you see, go on and subscribe because any support we get will be will be really helpful. So, yeah, please, please do follow us on that. Yeah, there we go. So, yes, Mark, are you OK? You've been on a shoot this morning, haven't you? Uh, yes. So it's one of those um, shoots where... You kind of do a little bit of shooting and then you haven't got much to do for a bit and you do all the work and then you go back to the shoot later on in the evening. So, yeah, it's uh, some Indian pre-wedding shoots. Uh, so um, it's like the traditional sort of Mayan uh, this morning, which has been done. And they're doing like a, a Bollywood evening. Um, so right, that's right. Be lots of fun, lots of dancing, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, not by me, obviously. Um, but yeah, so um, it'll be it'll be good fun. Yeah, good stuff. I'm recording this uh, pod in between, and I, in the meantime, have been uh, still working our way through some uh, all the graduation stuff that we've been doing recently, and lots of images to sort out for all of that. So uh, mine's been real, real sort of office-based stuff at the moment, uh, rather than uh, actually going out to shoot. So good stuff. So Mark, um, everyone's a photographer these days, aren't they? Or they at least think they are. Yeah, you know. Uh, and I'm talking really about phones, and let's be honest. You know, our phones are taking great pictures and the quality of what they do, you know, um, you know, is getting better and better. And I, I know a lot of people, you know, will take great, really good photos and they re and it's and it's it's their introduction into photography for a lot of people into the world of actual photography. But I think I don't think there's a point, though, where people think that everything they, they can do can be done on a phone. And there's a hell of a lot that can be done on a phone, but ultimately, you know, uh, it's the camera that we're actually talking about, you know, using, using a real camera, but a phone is, is, has opened up endless possibilities now for yes. what to shoot and how to shoot. And, uh, I wanted to touch back on that first, but do you use your camera, uh, sorry, your phone a lot for just general photos? Cause I yeah. don't. Well, yeah, I guess I do. If I'm, you know, out with people or whatever, um, yeah, we, we do quite a few when we're at a wedding together, don't we? We all take some sort of selfies of the mm. team or in it, stuff like tends to be with a selfie stick and a phone, despite all the expensive camera equipment we have with us. We tend to do it on a phone because it's just easier, isn't it? And, you know, they're, they're more throwaway photos, I guess. You know, they're not, you know, they're, although they're, they're good for the moment and it's a good record, they're not like special photos. You know, they're not like your wedding photography or, or you know, all that kind of stuff um so yeah i mean i use them generally i use it a lot for um messaging people so you know mm. the landlord needs a meter reading i'll just take a picture of it and send yeah it, you know you know yeah <laughs> i guess i guess that's how i my use mine really that is by the way but, yeah uh, i was gonna say I, I, I guess um yeah i guess i'm the same really i use it for i suppose uh not for social stuff really you know for yeah. fact i'm talking about social ho house home stuff i'm talking about social from the work media social media point of view uh but i guess i use exactly for that for taking readings or documenting something for someone or to downloading receipts you know or, or our accounts yeah. are online now so it's a matter of taking a picture of a receipt and then getting it uploaded so that's really what that's the tool for me whereas a lot of people use their phone for lots of family pictures which is fine but a lot of people use them for real trying to get some real creative stuff don't they because there was a time going back um there, was it iphone were doing a series of ads going back a few years ago where 
on these billboards, it actually said something like this was shot on an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think we have briefly spoken about that before. Mm. Um, and yes, obviously, by I guess advertising laws, it has to be shot by an iPhone. But what they're not telling you is the lighting rig that they probably had on set <laughs> to aid said iPhone. But, yeah. um, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot more that can go into it. I found that when I was away and I travelled earlier this year, I went to Jordan and uh, I that was the first time I, I used my phone actually for uh, for the joy of wanting to take some pictures whilst on holiday because I never take a camera with me. I know you do. Uh, yeah. I, I, I always prefer I can't believe to. you, you went yeah. to Petra and didn't bring a camera. Yeah, yeah I can't believe it. But anyway. Yeah, you know, but I actually discovered my camera phone for the first time and when i say i really discovered it for the first time is because i put it into manual mode and i was doing aperture settings shutter set settings which i really enjoyed doing um but i was getting some really good stuff and the downside is i know that those pictures look great on a phone and yes they could enlarge up to maybe a, a maybe oh, an eight by six something like that right yeah. something like that possibly but the quality is not going to be there Okay. And uh, I don't plan to blow any of them up big, which is why I didn't take a camera with me, you know, because I'm much like a lot of other people when it comes to family pictures and home stuff. I'll look at pictures online on, on you know, uh, sort of on, on a screen rather than sort of looking at printed images. Although I find that quite sad that that's, that's the case. Um, but I came across an article where um, a photographer went out and shot some pictures uh, of Matt Smith and the photographer in question was Greg Williams. Now this is going back quite some time ago because this was an article uh, in an old GQ magazine uh, that I came across and um, the photographer in question, uh, uh, Greg Williams, he's well-known photographer. He's gone out and shot everyone from Daniel Craig to Brad Pitt, Tom Hardy. He's shot a lot of the British GQ covers along the way. Um, but he was given uh, an iPhone a few years ago and I think looking at the article it says an iphone 12 pro max so now okay, i so, think that's okay so hang on hang on just just to make sure everyone's aware this isn't the mm. general iphone this is like this the max version of it which most okay. people don't have uh, right um you know i haven't got one my my iphone is just i mean this is a 13 i think i don't even know what it is but it's certainly not the pro max i haven't got a zoom on here uh not an optical zoom anyway it's just got the two lenses mm. um because they get really big and they won't fit in my car. Well, in the compartment where I put my phones for the sat nav. So it's kind of pointless for me. Um, plus I've got a big camera anyway. Yeah. So that's interesting because I didn't know that that, that was the case. I, mm. iPhone 12 Pro Max. So I just thought it was one of the standard ones. So you're talking at the time it came out, was it pretty much top end, would you say? Oh, it would be the top of top end. So I right. think... I, I, I'm not an expert on it, but I think there's three versions of, say, the like my phone. So there's my mm. phone, and then I think you've got the iPhone Pro and the iPhone Pro Max, something like that. I think okay. there's three. It could be two. I can't right. remember. But I do remember okay. looking at the prices and going, not a chance. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, laughs> so, right. Um, yeah. Okay. But if so, you're making a living out of it, I guess. Yeah. Would, you know? So Greg Williams was trying this camera out, and uh, he took out um, – uh, this actor for some photos and what he does in the article he talks about uh, he went out for about half an hour and he goes on to give his tips and advice on how you can get the most out of your camera phone um, and I wanted to go through those um, looking at the images that he shot they all look like fairly standard images they all look good because you can tell the photographer it's all about the posing and what he's getting you know Matt Smith to do and everything um, but one of the things that he, he does talk about is he says he always he says I always favor, favor timeless to trendy. Yeah. Uh, it says when I was starting out, I was absolutely obsessed with Magnum photographers and the golden age of cinema, Eve Arnold, Elliot Erwitt, and everyone who took those beautiful black and white photos from the movie sets. And um, Marlena Dietrich springs to mind some stunning images of her, uh, as it were, from so many of those um, those cinema uh, legends. Um, shot in black and white in those days. It says, it goes on to say, because I don't like my shots much and the technology is so good now, you can create modern day classics in monochrome with the right know-how. It says, I use manual exposure here because if you rely on any phone's auto exposure, it would have turned all that black into grey. Yeah. That's one of the things I talk about. All, all camera mm. meters do though. I mean, it doesn't matter yeah. what camera you've got. It, you know, you stick it on auto, it'll 
you know, it goes for medium grey, doesn't it? Is it zone seven, I think, in the in the zone system, zone five. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, if you do a picture of something black, you know, like you know, a black coat or something, it, it will come out grey. And looking through the pictures, the thing that strikes me the most is composition, really. That's what makes the pictures. And he does actually go on to say in the, in the next part of it, he says, I compose in lots of different ways. But one thing I love is that sense point perspective when everything's just coming straight towards you. Now, you know, I've said this before, but when somebody says to me, um, oh, I love your photos. How did you take that? That's such a good photo. And that, it could be a picture of a park bench, but they'll say, oh, how did you take that? And I always say it's just because I've just looked at it more. I've just looked at it differently. I haven't just gone and just taken a click picture. I've actually thought about, you know, what's what's going to look good, what's going to be the best composition, what's going to be the best perspective. So I'm just looking at things in more detail. And my experience allows me to do that as well. So I can make a park bench look a hell of a lot of a hell of a lot better than most other people would say with a camera because I know sort of what I'm looking for. Um, and it's not because it's a different park bench. It's exactly the same park bench, but it's a far better photo. And the answer usually to that is, is composition is, is, is really what's on it. Yes. You could go into focus, you can go into depth of field, you go into all of those things, but essentially it's the actual composition of an image. And so he was saying that on the iPhone, he, he liked playing with the iPhone's brilliance filter on these kind of shots as it brightens up areas that are a little too dark. So he's put this thing into manual mode, which is really what I did when, when I took um, when, when I went off to Jordan and I was, and I was really able to tweak the camera settings to exactly how I wanted the photos. And I was able to create some beautiful silhouettes, some beautifully overexposed images, slightly underexposed some perfectly exposed images um, dropping things in and out of focus where I wanted to. I, it, it felt like using a DSLR, you know, because I was familiar with the settings. That's the thing. I think most people, that if you give them the camera, they put it into manual mode. I'm talking about your average person here. Somebody who hasn't got any experience in photography will look at their manual setting in their cameras and think, well, I'm, I'm not going to use that. And they'll just click, leave it on auto and just click. And the cameras do take perfectly good pictures. Mm. So he gives us his eight tips for the perfect photo. And uh, so I'm just going to read through those. I don't think they're any in any particular order. So I'll just start with number one here. And he says, empathy is everything. So tell me whether, you know, what your take is on this, Mark. And he says, more often than not, I'm an element within my photos. So you sense an interaction that made for a genuine, authentic moment. So you, sorry, you sense an interaction that's made for a genuine, authentic moment. So Matt's been a mate of mine for a while, but some people are deeply introverted people. So you can't be bantering away with them. The biggest skill a photographer can have is empathy and knowing when to shut up and when to talk. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think that's half the skill as social photographers that, that we, you know, you have to relate to different people. Um, when I do my family stuff, you know, I, I have to relate to a two year old and I also have to relate to a 92 year old, you know, that it, mm. it's, it's about having that. And, and you're right. You, you can spot straight away the people who are up for the banter and the people who maybe, maybe not so. And the whole idea of that kind of chit chat is to make people feel a bit more relaxed. But, you know, if, if they are, like says, introverted, going in, you know, jokingly and bantery is probably going to make that person feel worse. So, mm. um, yeah, no, absolutely. You, yeah. you need to read the room, as it were. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. And a lot of people talk about this with street photography and, and, and they might see some great pictures from somewhere and say, um, well, why is my street photography not like this? And um, and it's usually because of the interaction that people have had, the, the interaction that a photographer's had with the subject. You know, I've gone out and done street photography and I've spoken to my subjects before I've actually taken any photos of them. I've gone up to them, just had a chat with them. I'm doing some photos. You know, I, give, I tell this to students, talk to people, don't sneakily take photos, actually talk to people and engage them and they'll take an interest in you and then you'll be more interested in them. So you worry that you lose a bit of authenticity. Not at all, because after a while, once I say to them, I say, right, all I want you to do is just carry on what you do and ignore me. And then after a few seconds, they've gone. It's gone completely. I'm there. They've completely forgotten about me because I'm now not a barrier for them at all. Um, and and because I've spoken to them initially without my camera, I've just got my camera in my bag or it's strapped around my back. I'm telling them what I'm doing. You know, I don't chat to them for ages. I keep it quite short, quite snappy. And I'll say, look, I'm really sorry you're busy, but just just take Quite a few pictures 
all right yeah and it's mm. like i'll step away i'll step forward there's a way of doing it and you get that authenticity but you get it even better than it had you been trying to do it because you have just engaged with that person and that person now for a while is going to play up to the camera but they, they do forget suddenly they've, they've forgotten if, you, if you're good at what you do and you're quick they'll forget that you're actually there uh, number two he says lean into the camera uh it says when you connect with someone over the camera that changes everything whenever i used to shoot my mum she'd pull her smile back into her neck giving the classic double chin pose you don't just smile with your mouth though you smile with your face and your eyes get people to lean forward bring them to life whether that's with a joke or whatever most most photos are a bit holiday like a bit like holiday photos in that they are guard down and relaxed and again it's having that interaction with somebody that's really what that's yeah. about yeah again i mean it's pretty much linked to the, the first one really i mean i guess there's a bit of positional thing going on stopping with doing that chin thing um but uh yeah i mean if people are relaxed then they won't do that stiff smile so yeah that's right yeah and this is where i've always said that you know that it the best photographers create images those for you know yes there's always going to be the spontaneous photos photos that you just don't know that are, are going to happen I, I agree with all of that but the best photographers make they do create photos so number three stick with it he says there have definitely been times when i've shot an actress who's at the end of a bloody awful day's press and the last thing she needs to do is giggle at me over the camera there are others when i've been politely asked to bugger off but I keep persevering and got and, and got lovely pictures that the person was really grateful for. You've got to do it with a smile and a really positive attitude. Mm. <laughs> Stick with it. Do it with a smile. Really positive attitude. Yeah. Nothing could be, you know, like more accurate than that. Mm. That's mm. just so, you know, you, you know what it's like when Mark, when we've been on a shoot all day and we've been whether, you know, when we've been working with people, you've still got to make that. You've still got to have that that energy and, and enthusiasm or at least they need to see that enthusiasm and that energy um yeah absolutely and being polite i mean you know i don't do a lot of the celebrity stuff so um i can imagine if uh, an actor or musician has has been doing press all day then you know the last thing they want to see is another blooming photo um and like you, we get that with wedding clients as well don't we you know there's a time when you just you can just tell they've had enough mm. of having a photograph taken and you just got to leave them be for a bit. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, otherwise it becomes, because you know, you're just trying to get the best for them and deep down mm. so do they. Um, but, you know, there's the, you can be, it can be quite overbearing if you're not careful. Mm. And if you just constantly do it, they're not, you know, photos only part of their day. It's for a photographer, it's the complete day. It's all mm. about photos. But for the bride and groom, it's not. It's only yeah. part of their day. And the other part of that day is is having a good time with their mates and family. Mm. Um, so yeah, you, you do have to read it sometimes. You know, if you've been doing like it's very that very intense part, isn't there? After the wedding ceremony, when you're when you're doing all the group shots, you're trying to get them done as quickly as possible. You know, Uncle Jeff is probably either on the toilet or or, or yeah. at the bar, and you've got to find them. And um, you know, you've been doing that for about 20 minutes, half an hour. Then you do the romantics, which might be another 20 minutes, half an hour. So it's an hour of them just having photos. And of course, if, they, if you were with them doing getting ready shots, then you were constantly buzzing around them there as well, possibly doing a few post shots there. So mm. by the time the ceremony's done, you've done all that. It could be like three or four hours of photography. Mm, that's right. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, intense. And you, you got to kind of go, you know what? They probably need a break from this. Yeah. And you, you just got to read it again. It's yeah. like, we, like I said before, reading the room. It and is. I guess that's the same as celebs as well. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes just let them have a drink or a coffee or something and then, yeah. then, then do it. And pick up on it, yeah. I guess. I mean, it's a bit different with celebs, isn't it? Because it's the timing. Yeah. So, so number four of the, uh, it says, move to find the right angle. And he says, one of the first things I teach in my photography course is, is people getting, uh, is getting people to move, right? It says, you, you can have this horrible thing where someone sees a picture and they'll zoom in, tweak a bunch of stuff and they don't get up. Once you're moving about and have learned how to read light, you're really thinking like a photographer. Again, it's so true. This, you know, um, people will just they'll 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 see a picture, think I'll take a picture of that, and then they'll just what they'll do is they'll create their their image by zooming in and out. You know, remember you're using a phone here, so you're just pinching on the screen in and out and whatever. But it doesn't mean that they've got the best angle just by zooming in. Everyone thinks oh, I'm going to zoom in as closely as I can. 
people will, will not move. They seem rooted to the spot. You know, the camera will do everything for you. The camera will autofocus for you. It will set your exposure for you. It will do, it will, yeah, you can set it on auto ISO. It will put all your settings right. But the one thing it won't tell you to do is where to take the picture from. Mm-hmm. You know, it won't say, oh, hang on a minute. If I was you, I'd move to the other side of the road or yeah. I'd move, I'd move I mean, a little bit to the left. Yes, I'd move a little bit to the right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> AI right, so, so basically that. to move with your camera, okay, and move with your phone. That's what this is about. And it says number five, the best camera is the one you have with you. Of course yeah, it is. I mean, we've it's heard it. that before. Mm. I mean, I take my photos on my iPhone all the time, he says, because you can do so much with it now. I recreated Muhammad Ali's underwater boxer shot with Nicholas Holt on my phone. I can shoot 300 frames in a row of someone running towards me. But a lot of the time, it's simply the thing I've got with me. So I see a picture and my iPhone is ready for it. The fact that you can work in lower light is great now. And the added exposure control is a game changer. Well, I found that out on my um, uh, on my Samsung that I've got. And it's... Once you go into that manual setting, you realize that there is so much that you can do with it again, but it's being familiar and I could do it really quickly because obviously I, I could flick it into manual and I saw shutter, aperture, ISO, and I knew what to do with it straight away. But for some people, they won't, may not know that. But once you do, you know, as he says, it, you know, the exposure control is a game changer. Number six, try to take photos that will last. It says a great photo, something you want to go back to and look at more than once. I can look, look at pictures and smell things. You want to look at a picture and laugh or feel you know someone a bit better. You know, one of the things I've always said, Marcus, particularly when it's family photos, you can go somewhere great, like, you know, going to Petra and all over Jordan, seeing some great things. And I took a lot of views, some lovely landscapes. Okay. And lovely lovely views, right? However, the one thing I didn't do was go crazy on that. I made sure that I had, I had some family with me. The family were in the pictures because that's what this trip was about. It's a family, it's a family holiday, it's a family trip, it's a family journey. This was, and having somebody in those photos, in those great views, makes them even more special. In amongst them, there was the odd few that were dotted around. You know, um, yeah. I mean, it, I have to say, I don't find. I mean, I haven't got the Pro Max or whatever it was mm. I had. I, I tend to find land that, that because the phone's lens is so wide. I don't think it tends to do the landscapes that well, mm. really. I think cityscapes maybe a bit more because there's more things going on and stuff. But if you're just doing a, you know, a landscape like like you were in a desert, which is mm. pretty flat and yeah, I don't know. I tend to find the iPhones, well, phones in general, they don't really tend to do it justice. I find. I don't know why. Maybe it's just me. Oh, they don't. I don't think. I think most cameras. I think you know when you're in that when you're somewhere that that's just incredible you know it's it's being there and having that experience yeah and and that's quite uh, you know what i think a lot of people miss it that experience because they're too engrossed in their phones these days mm-hmm. you know um they've got this in, they're one of the most amazing places in the world wherever you could be and they're viewing the whole thing on their phone people well, will because view- after they take the photo they then got to stick it on instagram straight away i've seen the mother of the bride countless times watching her water walk, walk watching her daughter walk down the aisle and she's filming it and she's watching her wa- her daughter walking but she's watching it on her phone she's not watching her actual daughter yeah. walking down the aisle you know and, and especially I, when you've employed videographers and i find that really sad that the phone just got straight away you know and that you don't have to shoot anything and everything. And I think that it just becomes a habit. You know what it's like? We see it at weddings where people don't put their phones away. The phones are just in their hands, you know, all the time. It's just to attach them somehow. And so I think that the, the, that's where the phones have been detrimental to the experience of so many things. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so number seven, follow the greats. He says on Instagram and just talk, look at photographers great photographers people that you like uh, and try and get some ideas from them to see how we see what they do so it basically he's saying learn, he's saying learn from others um number eight the last one he says sometimes lo-fi works best he says i do much of my work on my own in available light and often in an incredibly short space of time and we know that feeling right Mm-hmm. Um, if it's at the Academy Awards, you might have five or 10 seconds to take a shot at a hotel before the premiere of a film. You might have even 90 seconds. I think I've said this before, <laughs> going back many years ago, I had to go and do some photos of Katie Price at uh, an event. And there was a, there was a group of about four or five photographers. We were working for the, the PR 
agency and they said and we and we could go up to her individually and 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 get a photo of her and basically she gave me no more than about five seconds and that was it it was i'd hardly had time to put my camera up bring my camera up to the eye get the photo and she was saying right that's it that's your lot it was just you know and i got what i needed but and luckily also because i wasn't the first one that stepped forward i saw somebody else go before me so you had to to just whack it straight out without any thought or anything you know at this year's Oscars, I shot Johan Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Joaquin, that's it, yeah. <laughs> and Rooney Mara in an apartment block uh, stoop outside the Netflix party. This wasn't Cam, by the way. This is this. No, this is, no. Uh, yeah. Because it was just me, them, my camera, and a box of vegan burgers, the paparazzis who were just across the street didn't see us. It was such a lo-fi shoot that no one noticed, and it became the photo of the night. You know, and... Uh, not so not everything has to be planned and pre-planned does it that's the spawn they're the spontaneous moments aren't they they're the ones that happen you yeah, know outside the question, i am questioning the vegan burgers but never mind yeah that's right yeah so anyway some interesting stuff i think everyone's got some tips of how to use their phones and get better photos but yeah, ex- I mean, explore the manual settings on your phones they're, they're worth doing. as well though i mean i think hmm. that list isn't really necessarily about iphones or samsung phones. oh no it's not no I'd suggest a lot of that is is general stuff you need to do anyway. Yeah. Whether you're using a DSLR or a drone or, or whatever it is, there's a lot of stuff in there that yeah. actually you need to, you know, looking up the grapes and, you know, the, the, the sort of reading the room kind of stuff and, and all that. You know, I, I think that's just general. I think I, even in the film days, I think you need to know all of that. So Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. I mean, despite it being iPhones and that you know that the basics are still the same as when I was learning film at um, doing, doing my A levels, you know, which mm. is getting more into the distant past as I thought more than I'd like. But mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you know, um, so yeah, it's good. I mean, like I said, the phone that he's using is is quite a. It, it's not the basic model. It's not the standard model. It's it's, it's definitely the next one. The top end one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It good. is. But. I still reckon that if we turned up to a wedding with nothing but iPhones, I think Brian Green might have something to say. Exactly. Right. Okay. Uh, Mark, uh, I think it's time for a quick drink. Yes. Okay. Right, guys. Um, going back uh, early today, this was news that came out uh, today on the BBC. Um, India's Space Agency has released the first images of the moon taken by the Chandrayaan 3 space craft which in which entered lunar orbit on saturday um the images show craters on lunar surface getting larger and larger as the spacecraft draws closer chandrayaan's three lander and rover are due to reach a service on 23rd of august and it says if successful india will be the first country to perform a controlled soft landing near the south pole it will also become only the fourth to achieve a soft landing on the moon after the u.s the former soviet U- soviet union and china uh, after the spacecraft orbited the Earth for about 10 days, it was sent into the translunar orbit last Tuesday and, su- and successfully injected into the lunar orbit on Saturday. And they've sent some pictures through uh, of the moon. Um, it says there's, there's not that many missions to the moon, are there? No, they kind of um, interest kind of waned, I think, didn't it? Um, but I think everyone keeps talking about Mars now, but I think they're, I think they're going to do some more is what i've heard i think yeah well sort of i, I read the sort of revamp it up again yeah i read the article in detail and they were saying that the, the south pole of the moon uh is is still largely unexplored it says the surface area that remains in the shadow there is so, there is there is much larger uh remains in shadow there is much larger than that of the moon's north pole and scientists say it means there is a possibility of water in areas that are permanently shadowed so it's a huge sort of scientific breakthrough that they've that the south of the, the moon uh, has never been explored and there's not really been any or many pictures that have been taken of it but the actual image that we're talking about there's, there's only one image it looks like it's been shown um and it it's um the the moon looks uh, like a, a a greeny sort of color um and obviously it says that a series of images sent by chandra show the craters on, on the lunar surface getting larger and larger as spacecraft gets closer which you'd expect these craters i think are look to be absolutely huge um but the detail that you've got within that is absolutely incredible i guess the way i can describe it is it's like you know when you zoom in on something we've just been talking about phones if you zoom in onto a subject on your iphone 
or, or whatever phone, you know, the more you zoom into it, the picture just starts to, you know, you just lose that little bit of quality. And that's what this mm. looks like a little bit. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's amazing to see that there's so much that uh, is, is still untapped out there. Well, you know? there's so much. I mean, there has only been 12 people that walked on the moon. It's amazing, isn't it? Because yeah. you thought since 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 what since, what was it sixty nine, wasn't it? Yeah. You know that you'd have thought that uh, well, you know, there'd be pretty houses on the moon by now. You know, <laughs> right? Mm. You know, uh, people be living on the moon by now. Um, but it's it's so surprising. But I think I was I was just about to say there's there's nothing there really for, to to actually see. But um, if there's water there, then there's that possibility of life and that type of thing. But anyway, this is just a quick sort of thing because we don't have any more picture about the actual photo other than that this yeah. photo has been sent uh and it's showing the south the south pole of the moon uh, so it's quite historic but it doesn't say what it was shot with what camera it was shot with anything else at all or at least it isn't in the three or four articles that i've looked at uh, but it's pretty groundbreaking right then well yes there's a bit of bad news really for the photography community um because um I'm not sure if you know this guy. I had seen his work before and I had heard of this. In fact, one of our uh, listeners, Craig, he, he actually messaged us about this as well. So uh, it, it seems like there's a bit of interest about this guy. But um, there's a, a, a French climber photographer called Remy, Luc uh, Remy Lucidi. Um, and unfortunately, he's been found dead in Hong Kong, believed to have fallen from a high rise building uh, whilst attempting one of his climbs and, and photography. Now, uh, do check his um, social media stuff uh, because some of the photographs that this guy's taken is incredible, uh, mainly because of where he is and, quite frankly, the kahunas you got to have to to, to do this sort of thing. Um, you, you'll never is you know you'll, you'll never see me doing any of this, quite frankly. Um, so uh, the social media is under he's got a sort of a social media name called uh, Remy Enigma, uh, which is kind of how I knew I didn't really knew his real name as Lucidi to be fair um but uh yeah so basically he, he was he was in Hong Kong and um, he was um, climbing uh, a, a skyscraper in Hong Kong um and it seems that he came into some sort of difficulty um apparently there was someone has uh, basically said that he was knocking on some of the windows um I think maybe to have some help um which is which is really really sad yes so basically at about 7 30 p.m local time on the thursday asking to be let in he he, he was basically knocking on the window so um yeah it, it's it's really sad but well it is really sad there's no but about that he was only 30 years old and he's obviously a, a talented guy uh, he's obviously a very experienced guy when it comes to climbing but it does come into it, i I have a little question about it, and I don't know really how. I, I want to be completely respectful because I know the guy has died, but um, is there a certain responsibility that I guess someone has to sort of you know, take on when you're doing this? I mean, he could have landed on someone. This was an urban setting, you know. Mm. He wasn't. It wasn't on top of a cliff in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you know, he could have landed on someone. He could have landed on a car. He could have caused an accident. And I, I just don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. I understand part of the allure of what he does is the danger. And I get that when it's just danger of himself. Um, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of these extreme clients, unfortunately, they do, you know, I've, I've heard, he's not the first one I've heard that, that, you know, this has happened to. Um, and I do wonder where the responsibility, you know, if he had landed on someone, that other person would be dead too. So, I don't know. What, what do you think about that, Cam? Where, where, where do you, where do you sit? Yeah, yeah. It, Mark, as you said, and you said exactly right, actually, in that we have to we have to be respectful of of what's happened here because you know somebody who's died so young. Yeah, um, he is a son. He, he may have a partner. And yeah, exactly. And he's got it, it, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's and it's not. Not not everything has been reported because we don't quite know what's what. You know, there's one or two other reports that I've read here where you know uh, one of his pals says his death was not accidental because it's impossible for skilled climbers. It's impossible for skilled climbers to fall. Yeah, I mean, I um, read that as well, but he does then concede that he did get into difficulties. So, yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't take it for granted. I mean, 
you know, uh, recently, uh, you know, Mark, we, we've we've had a couple of stories, haven't we, where, um, you know, someone was hit with a camera. There was a TV camera that, that struck yeah. a, a protester recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's all sorts of accidents and things that happen, no matter yeah. how careful you Not are sure with everything. Sure, was necessarily accidentally hit. I don't know. No, so. yeah, maybe maybe he wasn't. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, and and this guy was doing something that was beyond sort of beyond brave. You know what he was trying to do, and and yeah. yes, he was get, getting some some incredible images and yeah. what he couldn't have taken those images with a drone or something in this day and age right well, you know, I, i'm guessing uh, that but like i said uh, but that's part, part of the charm yeah exactly thing, isn't it yeah is that he's yeah you know final frontier of photography or i guess you know mm. that kind of thing yeah but you know i've seen since then and i i think it's because we did this story but i've seen no end of things that have come up on my feed where yeah. i've seen uh, clips of photographers at an event or at a shoot or something they've stepped back and they've fallen into a swimming pool you know, yeah. or they've tripped. There was a great, well, sorry, it's not, I don't mean to say it was a great one. There was a, there, there, there was one that like, I had to watch it three or four times because he was shooting someone, an artist on stage and he stepped back and he fell, fell off the stage. Great. And, um, you know, I don't know how badly he was hurt. And that's not the first time that's happened. These nice. things happen all the time. Mm. And as photographers, you know, it's very easy to trip and fall over something. I mean, we're faced yeah. with so much health and safety stuff. Uh, in this day and age and i found out myself i've become a little bit paranoid about it i'll now go shoot and i'll i'll make sure that i tidy up around me i clear up while you know once i've got all my lights set up i'll make sure that there's no trip hazards you know yeah. you have you have to take those things yeah, you, do, absolutely. you know and um, that's why i think these these battery powered lights are could be a godsend but that's nothing stopping anyone from tripping over one of the light stands that you've got yeah. because and and there is a right way and a wrong way to put up a light stand. There was a right way and a wrong way to put your camera on a tripod, mm. you know? And so when you've got a light stand, you've got a tripod, you need to know how to actually put it up and keep it safe. But yeah. so even from your everyday photographer's point of view, there's always a risk yes. of not just uh, of damaging your equipment or injuring yourself, but really of, of injuring another person, injuring a third party. Yes. Which is why we all have, public liability insurance exactly that's right yeah and you know fair play to this guy you know he 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 broke new ground yeah. he did things that where he 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 took things very much to the edge mm. and re and and paid the price for his and paid the price for it yeah. but the thing is is in many ways what he's done someone else is going to do yeah. and you're going to get even more daring because as each generation goes on everything gets more and more daring everything gets mm. more and more sort of uh you know they they, they want to break the boundaries even more so his work in future will 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 stand the test of time for a few years but after a few years somebody else is going to be doing something even more uh dangerous yeah i, I guess i mean it, it's always going to be developed but it's just going back to that responsibility of it though you know the mm. the, the, the the person so there was a maid in in that room when he was knocking on the windows i mean, I mean uh, and I think she went off to try and do something and then, and then he wasn't there. And that was the last time that he was seen. Mm. Just think, what's going through that person's mind. Mm. Um, That's right. Yeah. You know, could, could you know, I would be, I mean, could I have acted quicker or blah, 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 blah. You're yeah. constantly going through that. Yeah. And like I say, you know, it's, he is putting other people in danger. I mean, it, it, yeah. I mean, it, mm, yeah. There's a selfish aspect to it, isn't there? Yeah. I'm, I'm watching at the moment on Netflix, the formula one documentary drive to survive. Oh, I love that. You know, you see, I've, I've, I've never really been a huge Formula One fan. I've always found it quite dull. I'll, I'll, I'll watch what's on the, you know, the, the first it were happening on the news and the reviews and think, oh, yeah. Lewis Hamilton won or Max Verstappen won. I'm always aware of the drivers because it's so out there. It's in the news, yeah. but I can't sit and watch it. But no, I can't. someone said to me ages ago, oh, you've got to watch it. If you watch it, you'll suddenly start to think of Formula One is very different. And I've only watched part of the first series, and I think there's four series to it. And they're catching up to do. Yeah. And, and on during that first series, I think one or two of the drivers, one driver in particular says, I'm not worried about death. I'm not worried about driving like this. You know, this is the risk mm. I take and, and, and dying and death doesn't, doesn't worry me. Now it may not worry him. Okay. But that driver has got family that's going to be left behind. Yeah. That driver has got a whole team of people I've got a team of investors. Yeah, I mean, it's I got, would say it is uh, quite different, though. It's I know, got I know fans, 
right? They've, they've got they've they've got all the people that are very close to them. Forget the fans, forget the supporters for a moment. The people that the people that were responsible for building that car, putting him in that car, mm. and and training him and driving him to that point. When and he says that, hey, I'm I'm not afraid of dying. Now you might actually say, is that really brave? Wow, he's brave. God, you know, he he must. Uh, you know, uh, he's on the edge. I admire that in somebody. Or do you actually say, do you know what? That's pretty selfish. I, I think I think it's I think it's a bit different, to be honest with you, because actually Formula One. Um, I mean, the, 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 the casualties are minimal these days. I mean, the, the way they designed the car, I think it really changed when Senna died. Mm. It really changed. They've really changed the car. The car just crumples. And takes all the impact and the driver walks off scot-free you know mm. that happens a lot i think someone has died in the last couple of years is it leclerc or something i think that's the episode i'm watching is it uh, there was no bianchi was it bianchi 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 yeah i'm not big on formula one yeah but uh yes yeah, someone did die recently yeah they did yeah um i mean that was the one you were on season one so that was about I am. Four, six, four years it's ago, 2018. 2018. Is that 2018 2019 um yeah. so yeah um but I guess that's a bit different because you're putting yourself in danger. You're putting other drivers in danger. And there is definitely a, a sort of a, <laughs> a code of conduct between the drivers, isn't there? And if someone slightly goes out of it, you know, if you watch Drive to Survive, you'll know that these drivers do have pretty much a pop at each other if, if they feel that that code of conduct. Oh, God, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so there is that kind of that, that in the... But, you know... Back in like the seventies or sixties, whatever, with Formula One, I mean, you had like bystanders, you know, watches that they could go onto the track, take photographs, and then mm. get out of the way before the car comes around. I mean, you can't do that anymore because no, that's it's right, yeah. horrifically dangerous. <laughs> yeah. um, so, and and it's different, and the responsibility really is by Formula One. These these people who are climbing these towers, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of this particular one uh, for for Remy, but you know, did he get permission to climb that tower? I, I'm guessing not. Well, yeah, uh, there is something that there was something. I think it's in the article where a friend says uh, that you know it wasn't an accident because it just doesn't happen. Mm. But it um, it goes on to say something like that the security guys tried tried to stop him. Now that yeah, could have been a different. That could have been a different. I'm looking at here. Says security officers. Uh, here we go. It says security guard tried to stop Lucidi, uh, but the daredevil was already on his way to the top of the building. Now I'm assuming it's the same building we're talking about. Yeah. I hope it's not yeah. a previous story we're referring to. So CCTV footage shows Lucidi taking the lift to the 49th floor before taking stairs to the top. Security officers looking for Remy later found a hatch to the roof open. Police yeah. found the man's camera at the scene, which contained videos of other. So he's doing stunts. something illegal, then, isn't he? He's so he what? Has he hasn't got permission. He hasn't, you know, yeah. you're talking about risk assessments when mm. in a public liability insurance and all that kind of stuff that we have to do for mm. someone to trip over a tripod. Yeah. Uh, this guy's <laughs> going up on a, on a building. Um, and, you know, he's putting other people's lives at risk here. I, like I say, I want to be really respectful because the guy has died and I, I don't want to be mm. like kicking a man when he's down, as I guess. Mm. No, I think we have done. But I think the um, security guard, for as, example. Then on the flip side, sorry, if I may, the, the flip side is you wouldn't get that stunning photography unless you had these people doing what they do. They're willing to so do it. So I am incredibly conflicted by it. Yeah. Um, there was a, a documentary I watched. I can't remember when it was. I, I might even be when I was at art college. I cannot remember. But um, it was about these high wire um, mm. artists. Right? I know, so yeah. Ju just doing, just walking across. And, and they wanted to do this uh, between two buildings. It might have even been the Twin Towers. I cannot right. remember. It was mm. two iconic buildings. And they basically did it. So, um, you know, he basically, tightrope, isn't it? So he basically did yeah. tightrope across these two buildings, right? Uh, you know, there's no, no. Um, I don't think he had any uh, safety harness or anything like that, you know. But, you know, they were, they were documenting it. I had a video and they tried several times, I think, to get past security and eventually they managed to do it. You mm. know, so it was an illegal act. And you kind of when you're watching this video, you're kind of going, yeah, well done to the tightropers. You know, how, these guys, are, you know, 
but no, actually, that person could have fallen on someone and been killed. Um, so, but we need the daredevil. So I am conflicted by it. it mm. it's, it's a strange one, really, because his work, going back to Remy here, his work is very good. Mm. You know, you do feel something when you see those images. You know, you do get that kind of vertigo feeling. You do, yeah. Um, yeah and, and and let's yeah that's and powerful. Let, that is yeah powerful. it is and let, let's let's finish off that by 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 giving a nod to 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 his genius really and his yeah. and, and his bravery let's let's yeah. you know let's yeah. because it was it was brave regardless of the other things that we've, talk, we've spoken about and the stunning images that he created mm. and as we're saying somebody else is going to break new ground but he set those boundaries now mm. you know he's explored those things which now makes other people want to explore other things as well and and that's the way the world has evolved so you have to tip your hat to him and uh you know and condolences to, to his, well, to of his course. family and friends. Yeah. James Bond, Mark. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone loves. Guy? I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> yeah. Everyone loves Bond, don't they? Oh. they let's be honest. They, they do. I think in certain parts of their life, they do. I mean, I'm pretty much past Bond these days, but. Um, I, yeah. I would say that it's still probably the only film that I would want to go and see in a cinema. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen the last few. Yeah, um, no, I've seen them all in cinemas, okay. But anything else, I'm not fast. I always think I've got to go and see Bond in the cinema. It, You know, it's just, it's almost tradition now. Got to go to the cinema, it's James Bond. Yeah, I mean, you know? it's that, and, and um, I don't mean this as a funny dig or, 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 or laugh or anything. It, it, it's that, because there is about 10 or so years between us, isn't there? So yeah. Do you, do you reckon it's something to do with that? Do you reckon? No, I don't. Because Bond, I when I went when I was growing up, Bond wasn't that popular, mm. really. There was a big break mm. between the Dalton years, so he yeah, two, didn't he? Mm. And then you had it kind of revamped with uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, you know, there was a big gap, wasn't there, between? Yeah. There, so Bond really wasn't. I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And but looking back on some of those Roger Moore ones. Yeah, I mean, Russell's a piece. I mean, come on. <laughs> okay, so, so 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 Bond Bond dates very easily. Bond yeah, is very yeah, e each. So. If you think about it, each Bond film is very much of its time. Yeah, you know, I think the recent Daniel Craig ones, I think, will stand the test of time better. Um, mm -hmm. I think the Sean Connery '60s ones, uh, to a certain extent, people sort of see that. Yes, look, I I, I know this is old, but it's still relevant once you it, got to the 70s and the 80s it was i think it's a bit dodgy ground there really well, you know. i think there's dodgy ground through all of them if you if you're casting your modern day mm, view, mm. um of it uh yeah. I mean, he is a character that was born in i mean i don't know when when did fleming write these i can't remember i don't even know what the Guessing I reckon it's probably uh, yeah I would have said 50s yeah I would have said like 50s that. yeah so, late 50s probably you know actually some of the Connery stuff is quite yeah on the edge when it when his <laughs> when, you know with his relationship with women I don't think yeah you know it, yeah it's almost it's dare I say it quite rapey in places um, yeah you know, yeah I, it, it, it's <laughs> uncomfortable um <laughs> But there is an iconic, I mean, the, the Connery Bond is probably the most iconic out of all of them, despite mm. that. Yeah. You know, the whole Goldfinger thing and no Mr. Bond, I expect you to die, you know, all, all this yeah. all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Fell and the cat, and you know. Yeah. It's, um, but yeah, the, I mean, if you really look, I mean, I guess when they show them on TV now, they probably cut certain scenes out because I don't really think it's suitable for modern day viewing. Mm. people will take offense by it and actually, yeah probably yeah with some of those yeah. scenes i can see why um yeah and whereas the, the craig ones i guess have that in mind when they're made don't they? They, they do yeah now so the reason why I, I i sort of talk about this is because i was um looking through uh some stuff online recently it's going back a little while ago and i came across um some bond images and i thought to myself oh that looks really cool you know and uh, there were pictures of uh, daniel craig and as I scrolled through the article, there was one of George Lazenby and he was sitting by a pool and he was sitting on a sunbed in his trunks and uh, part of the, and behind him is a woman standing in a bikini on a phone, right? You know, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, shot in black and white. And what struck me was how good and timeless these images actually are, which is very different from the films. Okay, the films date 
but the photos have an iconic far more of an iconic timeless feel about them there's something there's something really magical about those photos shot is that because of especially with the the Connery's the 60s stuff basically is what we're talking about isn't it well the thing is is there's Roger Moore I mean a lot of these pictures were shot by uh uh, by a photographer Terry O'Neill and um yeah you know and he's best known as one of the guys who shot so much in the 60s you know him and David Bailey were you know at the forefront weren't they of of shooting celebrities and and everything else that was going on around there but he so he he captured a lot of the uh, the photography a lot of the bond uh, characters from the 60s and the 70s yeah, yeah with uh, live and let die with roger moore george lazenby um from russia no on a majesty's on a majesty's secret service i think it was well um, yeah it was the mill train man wasn't it yeah that's right yeah that's right yeah um and then you've got you know um live and let die with roger moore and then it came across some um uh some contact sheets of uh, the classic of roger moore in his black polo uh yeah. neck jumper yeah, yeah. Yeah. holding that that little little gun right PPK. yeah that's right yeah just sort of uh that that three-quarter look and then the look with his eyes you know that that sultry look with his just lifting his eyes up and his yeah. eyebrow goes up and 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 holding the gun and there's a whole series of contact sheets that you can look at and um and and those pictures really stand the test of time yes we know they're old but but there's a great picture of sean connery and um he's just sitting on on the set of diamonds are forever and what he's doing is he's just holding a camera and he's looking at the photographer um through the camera that he's holding and just the camera just looks timeless the camera looks retro it looks really cool everything about the everything about the images just looks just timeless compared to the films well, which goes I, I, if i may I, hmm. I don't think they are timeless um i think they're actually of a time um from, from what i from what i think um i mean don't get me wrong i mean we're looking at some of them now do not look at that and think it because i don't think they are timeless i think that is showing it's a certain time don't get me wrong it, they're iconic yes um but but if you look at we're looking at pictures we're looking at a picture of Sean Connery sat on a sheriff's motorbike and he's got black suit black tie white shirt take the bike away and he could be there today right in a very classic style I don't know you know um, there he is in his white you know in his white tux black bow tie Uh, there's just something about the image i'm comparing it to the film mark i'm sort of saying that the the, the, the stills seem to stand the test of time better they, uh, well i think that's different they, they, they do stand the test of time but i wouldn't necessarily say they're timeless they mm. stand the test of time because they are very classic this is like classic hollywood stuff you mm. know, that it's almost like a genre in its own right mm. um you know if you were to take a shot like this today it would be considered, oh, you're taking something in the classic Hollywood feel. I mean, we were talking yeah. about that the story earlier um, with the photographer with the iPhone. You know, mm. he, he likes the golden age of, of of Hollywood. And that is all that black and white stuff and, you know, the, the, sort of the contrast and, and all that kind of thing. Mm. Um, I think with, with I, I feel in, in some respects, I don't know if this is the same um or or, uh, around the world but with 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 us the british we have this very rose tinted version of the 60s and i think bonds does come from that Mm. you know we look at the connery bond oh yeah you know it was very i mean it it looks very glamorous we're looking at this picture here so um i can can imagine shooting that with a groom at a wedding yeah yeah but there is a certain glamour to this that is Mm. very 60s bond Mm. um and it's not just 60s Bond, it's also Hollywood at, at that mm. time. You know, it, it, this could be Bogart, this could be anybody mm. for me. Um, the fact that it's Bond kind of puts it in that place because we know who he is, mm. you know. Um, and actually, I, I think the Roger Moore ones do look good, but they're not as iconic as the Connery ones because it doesn't have that 60s feel. No, yeah. Um and we do, as I say, us Brits, we love banging on about the swinging 60s. 
Um, neither, well, I certainly wasn't around at that time. So I, I, I don't really have any connection to it. Um, but, you know, it's it's Bond, it's the Beatles, it's the Stones, it's you know, yeah. even a couple of gangsters, may, yeah. you know, look glamorous. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. the you know, even they look glamorous and they were yeah. they were arseholes, basically, excuse my French. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, there's no comeback over that. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> oh, I'm going to disassociate myself from that comment completely, guys. <laughs> yeah, maybe. May, but you know what I mean. They, they, they beat up a lot of people. Um, you know, we've all seen the we've all seen the movies. You know, I would be scared to have them in my neighbourhood. Um, and you know, the the mods kicked the hell out of rockers and vice versa. You know, there was a lot of violence. Yeah. But you know, we tend to skip over all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's imagery like this that kind of. That, that kind of helps us skip over that. Mm. Um, I mean, we're looking at the, some of the, the Roger Moore Bond ones here is Live and Let Die, which mm. I actually think is his most iconic Bond film. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Which helps with Paul McCartney doing the soundtrack, I guess. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have this fixation of Bond as a lot of people do, mm. to be honest. When I was a kid, I kind of liked the cars and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I, but there's a there's a coolness about it that you can't deny. I mean, the cars, say for example, the picture that the, the camera that Sean Connery's just sitting there holding um oh, yeah. was was a camera of the time, obviously. But now when you look at that yeah. camera now, it's probably a Nikon F1 or something, Nikon F or something, whatever it is, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, you know, it just it it, it you know it, it looks cool. And I think that's what it is. But you're right. I think there's that you're exactly right in what you say. The, it, it is romanticized, mm. you know, that that whole period. Um mm. You know, uh, but I guess that was also groundbreaking within the photography. That's another reason why that stuff looks cool. You well, know, thirty-five mil was quite new, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Wasn't, yeah, wasn't it that uh, there's an advert around this time? I think it was the Pentax, right? And it was um, David Bailey was doing his was a guest at a wedding, and there was a wedding photographer. Olympus so, Trip thirty-five. Oh, the Olympus Trip. That's yeah, what it was. I remember that advert. Yeah, yeah, and and. You know, so 35 mil was quite new. Yeah. And it had the, the basic the synopsis of this advert, if you haven't seen it, is this old school wedding photographer who's looking quite old in the two, scoffing at David Bailey for having this 35 mil camera. Well, you know, we, we all use 35 mil cameras. In fact, technically, we still do. It's just the digital versions. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and that was a new invention, wasn't it? The Olympus, the Olympus, you know, it was, uh, was it the actual trip or was it the OA? It, it was a trip. It was Olympus it trip. It was a trip, was it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, 35 mil was kind of new and kind of cool as well. Um, you know, you could 36 shots and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, you got Bond with a really good SLR and, you know, it's mm. all glamour. It's all expensive yeah. stuff. It's yeah. Martins. It's yeah. Um, yeah. It's, ev it, it's everything that looks cool. It's everything that's yeah. branded cool, isn't it? So yeah. pretty much, pretty much. Good stuff. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just want to touch on that. You know, I yeah, think no, it's interesting. It's you interesting. know, uh, comparing the films to the stills, and that's really what it was. So uh, yeah, but, and yeah. there's some it is, it is some fantastic work, and I think actually that's the real thing about it for me was photographers could break out of using things like five four and medium yeah. format, and actually then had this new invention, which was the thirty five mil film. I can't remember how new it is. I think did it come out in the sixties? Thirty five mil was it? Probably yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 60s, they, yeah, yeah. They may have used them in the war. I don't know, um, but you know, it's relatively new mm. in, in comparison. It's the same as. It's kind of weird. This 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 episode has taken a good full circle. Now you know we were talking about iPhones. You know, yeah, yeah actually, the, the, the phone, the phone pictures, phone now is is probably the equivalent of what the thirty five mil was back then when people yeah. were just using uh, medium and large format cameras. Yeah, you know, it's that new invention that makes photography more accessible to to mm. people. And that's exactly what the phone's done. It's made and digital photography, you know, digital cameras, and then the phone. It's made photography more accessible to people who wouldn't wouldn't necessarily get into it. Yeah. Um, and that's what thirty five mil did, and that's what iPhones are doing now. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I guess that's why you get a lot more of these photos and yeah, things like that. Good stuff. I wonder, just to finish off, Mark, whether in 20, 30, 40 years, someone's going to say. God, doesn't that iPhone 12 Max look really cool? No. I uh, see mm. the, the big difference, I guess. Whereas the Nikon F does. Yeah, but the Nikon F does because we 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 are, it's kind of gone 
so you had your, your, your large and your, your medium formats that did a certain amount of shots. Was it 15 on a 645, 12 on an SQ? Um, and mm. to get two on a on a on a five four. Mm. Um, so you know, image was, and then you have like twenty four and thirty six on thirty five mil. Um, and now it's thousands. There's no limit <laughs> to the amount of photographs you can take. So we, it's oversaturated now for it to mm. have that same sort of sort of feeling. I think is, is what you have with thirty five. Mm. Yeah. Um, next i guess the next one will be it'll be just video and you can just take stills off video i think that'll be the next oh yeah definitely yeah the there'll be yeah exactly um, hopefully i've retired by then <laughs> okay good stuff mark uh, i think we'll wrap it up there yes we um, i'll let uh do you want to finish it off? No, I'll finish it off. You finish it off. Okay, it guys. So I have, yeah, guys. So, you know, as we said before, if you enjoy the show, please make sure to support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Don't forget our Patreon. That's all new. You can follow us on the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and all of which will be linked in the show notes. And leave us, please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast apps, such as Spotify and Apple Podcast. Um, we get lots of messages that come through from people saying thank you really enjoy listening to you guys i've said this time and time again but we do get these we do get these messages that say i'm a photographer i work on my own i don't really have any other photographers that i talk to and uh, it's quite refreshing because i feel that you guys uh, just listening to you guys it's like having a chat with uh, a couple of colleagues and uh, and uh, so if we're doing that i think we're doing the right thing guys thank you so much for listening and uh, we will catch you on the next episode Cheers. Bye, bye for now, guys. Bye.